Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Dan McNerney. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 44 and 45. Listen for the word of the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. First of all, I want to thank personally Ray, Judith, Carol, the other staff members, and so many good friends at First Presbyterian Church Evanston. I'm extremely grateful to be invited here to, to preach. I've had a wonderful, my family and I have had a wonderful 21-year relationship with First Press Evanston. We have been united together in our common passion to extend the good news of Jesus Christ to all people groups all over the world, and that I do with my organization called Frontier Fellowship. The timing of my being here is extraordinary. Uh, I have not been in a church sanctuary, let alone one this beautiful, in three to four months, which is unusual for me. I have been isolated like you, off the road, but my wonderful family and I have had great times together. I live right down the street in Winnetka. When the pandemic started, my first thought was, that God had radically intervened in all of our lives all over the world and called what I call a big time out. Sent us even to our rooms, as we do when we're sent to time out, to contemplate our lives and what we might be doing that's pleasing to God and what we might be doing that's not pleasing to God. It's been incredibly hard along with you, to see all the hardships that resulted from the pandemic, death and suffering included. And if that weren't enough, we've experienced the tragic death of George Floyd. For us to now contemplate the depths of individual and societal sin. However, in this most unusual time of contemplation, I believe that God has given us a golden opportunity to ask the question, what is essential in my life and what is not essential? And what I mean by this is, in a spiritual sense, physical sense, social sense, even vocationally, has my mind been attracted to non-essential things more than essential? Perhaps because of the pandemic, we can now see more clearly how much We've been chasing non-essential things in our life, 
and we maybe have been waffling or confused about what is essential in my life. And on top of all of it, greater chaos, riots, violence have been unleashed in our world, bringing more death and destruction, causing us to feel perhaps more out of control, whether our society has lost itself is now a question. Have we lost our moorings, our decor, our civility? We're being hit hard, but we're also given an opportunity to think hard and to pray hard. I like to think that we've been rattled so thoroughly that we might wonder if we're okay as a country, as, as a people. Uh, are we all right emotionally, mentally? Have we reached a nadir of human behavior in our country today? And has truth in recent years been tossed around so much like a beach ball that we feel like giving up in our search for ultimate truth? I believe that right now, at this time in our country's history, either we're going to give up on truth or we're going to double down and dig in and even work harder at finding ultimate truth. What has God revealed to you during this unusual time of the pandemic? Originally, Ray asked me to come and preach this month during what was going to be his sabbatical. And boy, I pray that Ray and Judith get that rest and sabbatical at some point. He asked me to come and preach on verses in the Bible that have been most impactful in my own personal life. And I chose Matthew 13, verses 44 and 55. 45 in my mind, I knew I was going to preach on that. But I had no idea how appropriate these two verses would be for today's circumstances. I say this because this passage is all about searching and hunting diligently for truth. And a man and a merchant find it. I believe that all human hearts are always actively searching for truth. Nothing, after all, is more comforting or satisfying than when we receive and rest in truth. And nothing is more dissatisfying when we toss it around like a beach ball. I think the search for truth has never been more important. There have never been more distractions in our world today than now with social media, the internet, a phenomenal quantity of entertainment options, always trying to get our attention and make us focus on non-essential things. This passage today is about finding ultimate truth, as I've said. And that ultimate truth is Jesus Christ. I don't mean God in general, or even the Holy Spirit. I mean Jesus Christ is the point of this passage. He is the main character and the person who we now have to focus on in our new covenant time period. When we make non-essential things our primary focus, our whole life gets out of whack, out of kilter. But when we make Jesus our central focus, our most essential thing in our life, 
our whole world suddenly becomes in focus and makes sense. The first story in our passage today is about a man going about his daily work and stumbling upon a hidden, buried treasure and sells everything and buys the field with the treasure in it. The second story is about a pearl merchant who is actively in search of the biggest, best, most lovely and beautiful of all pearls in the world, and he finds it, and he sells everything that he owns to buy it. Why was Jesus talking about these things with his disciples? He was trying to explain what the kingdom of heaven was like. These were new ideas to his Jewish audience. Through his parables, he was trying to compare known truths with unknown truths. He was trying to explain what it was like to be in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, or God, has come to earth through Jesus in a whole new way, in a reality. It's a, it's a new covenant. The whole point of Jesus' teaching is to come to him in order to enter into the kingdom. He has revealed the ultimate revelation of God, which is God himself, his son Jesus. These parables urged the listeners to take action once the kingdom of heaven was discovered by them. When any one of us discovers Jesus and his kingdom all around us, inside us, a light bulb hopefully goes on and we can see the kingdom, we can see the king as we've never seen before. And we are asked at this point by these parables not to respond half-heartedly. We are to sell everything and purchase this discovery for ourselves and devote our whole lives to it. These pearl merchants would travel the whole world, diving off their boats, looking in different countries in the Middle East, trying to find the greatest pearl because pearls were the most lovely of all the precious stones. People back in the ancient world would hide their, their, their family wealth in the, in the form of coins in the ground because there were no banks. But if you stumbled across coins hidden in the ground, by Jewish law, they were yours. Nothing would give someone more pleasure than stumbling across a treasure of coins. The same holds true for our spiritual lives. If after searching and searching we find truth, we are to give up all our precious preoccupations, what we call precious preoccupations, and abandon certain habits or ways of life, difficult to lay down perhaps, in order to follow the will of God for our lives. Following the will of God for our lives is how we should live in the kingdom of heaven, to take up self-discipline, self-denial, which is not easy, and ultimately to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This passage tells us that we can no longer be tepid on the subject or tossed about in the sea with doubt. And during this pandemic, we get a real chance to find out where we are in our commitment to anything, let alone Jesus. The decision to commit to that which becomes living water for our souls, joy beyond description, endless assurance, peace and purpose floods our hearts when we do sell everything and commit fully to Christ. There are so many stories throughout, in, uh, throughout history of individuals who have found the great pearl, 
uh, who have converted to following Christ and becoming Christians, uh, who have decided to, to sell everything and dedicate their lives to Jesus. One of my great heroes in these regards is Jonathan Edwards, an American theologian in the 1700s in New England. He was one of the principal people who was swept up in what they call the Great Awakening of the American Church in the 1730s and 40s. He and another preacher by the name of George Whitfield revived the American church and set it on fire throughout New England, and it was a revival where all of a sudden many people were finding the great pearl and giving their lives to it. So I'd like to read just really quickly from Jonathan Edwards' diary. He says, My mind was greatly engaged to spend my time in reading and meditating on Christ and the beautiful excellency of his person and the lovely way of salvation by free grace in him. I found no books so delightful to me as those that treated these subjects. And when I began to read and walk in my father's garden, I could sense all these things enlivening my spirit. My sense of divine things gradually increased and became more and more lively, and I had more of that inward sweetness. The appearance of everything was altered. There seemed to be, as it were, a calm, a sweet cast, or appearance of divine glory in almost everything. God's excellency, his wisdom, his purity in the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds and all of nature, which all of a sudden just captured my imagination. Jonathan Edwards and many people in our American history came to Christ in dramatic ways, and their whole worlds changed. They were born-again people. I love Jonathan Edwards because of this dramatic change in his life. In my own life, I had something similar happen. I grew up Presbyterian right down the road here in Winnetka, but decided not to be confirmed. It's a longer story. I went off into my wandering years of high school and college. And I can relate so well to the pearl merchant and the man finding the hidden treasure. I always loved reading philosophy and poetry and listening to music and tending fun and wild parties, searching for the meaning of life as best I knew how, but I thank God that I stumbled upon a book, C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, in my mid to late 20s, which completely changed my life. The truth claims of C.S. Lewis captured my imagination. Burdens were lifted from my shoulders I never imagined. A joy entered my heart like a rushing river. I tried to read every C.S. Lewis book I could. I went to church. I finally decided to read the Gospels. And after reading the book of John, I gave my life to Christ. And then I was determined to follow him wherever he would lead me. And he finally led me into ministry. Out of my business career, I took the $10,000 I had in my bank account invested in my own experience, went to Costa Rica and did mission work for two years, learned the Spanish language, and I never had been more convinced that I was going to follow this great pearl wherever it took me in my life. And that great pearl brought an awareness to me that I could have been a fairly good business person, but a much better pastor. When we give our lives to Christ, he tells us who we were created to be. He enlivens our gifts that he's given us in the first place and puts us on a path of purpose and joy, which I'm happy to report I've been on since 
the mid-1980s, and I want to thank again your church being a part of my journey. In closing today, I want to reflect on what I think is a particular relevancy of this passage for today's world. The entire 13th chapter is about the kingdom of heaven. Foremost, Jesus wanted to tell his followers where it was and what to do about it once it had arrived. Jesus had come. He was the kingdom of heaven. But it wasn't physical. There wasn't a building. It wasn't a military might. It was spiritual. He'd say the kingdom of heaven is inside you. But your primary citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. And never get that turned around. I think, unfortunately, in today's world, there are a lot of people who are getting their loyalties and, unfortunately, in the church, turned around. We're not to have anything in the earthly kingdom capture our hearts more than the divine kingdom. And that means that we're not to have greater loyalty to a political party or a social group above our loyalty to Christ. We are first to be citizens of the kingdom of Christ and to be respectful and diligent members of any earthly government, but our primary allegiance is with Jesus, the author of life. The teachings of Jesus often run contrary to the world's agendas. We have to be so careful. We need to recognize when they do. People often don't realize how radical the teachings of Jesus are. We're called to love our neighbor as ourself. Our enemies we're even supposed to call. We're, Stephen forgave those who were stoning him. Jesus forgave those who were crucifying him. Yes, we can have righteous anger, but we are never to cross that line to attack, condemn, belittle, or harm another person. That is not the kingdom of heaven's moral law. We need to let the revenge be God's not something we do ourselves. We are called to a much higher plane as followers of Jesus, filled with mercy and grace. We can be passionate but not mean. Being a citizen of Christ's kingdom, first, keeping us, by being a, 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 a committed to Christ's kingdom first, it keeps our souls in check from being overly influenced by politics, social media, money, success, and hatred. It keeps us in balance when we're first members of the kingdom of heaven. Few people have articulated this balance better than Martin Luther King Jr., and boy, do we need his wisdom and grace now. He was a phenomenally committed Christian, but he knew full well that Jesus was uh, never advocating violence, insurrection, or rebellion. Listen to these words of Martin Luther King Jr. When they threw eggs at me in New York, I think that was really a result of the black nationalist groups. They had, they had heard all these things about my being soft, my talking about love, and they transferred that bitterness towards the white man onto me. My feeling has always been that they never understood what I was saying. They did not see that there's a great deal of difference between non-resistance to evil and non-violent resistance. Certainly, I'm not saying that you sit down and patiently accept injustice. 
I'm talking about a very strong force where you stand up with all your might against all evil systems and you're not a coward. You are resisting, but you come to see that tactically as well as morally, it is better to be non-violent. Martin Luther King Jr. never let his first allegiance to the kingdom of heaven and Christ be co-opted by any other worldly force, power, or allegiance. Secondly and lastly, I think this passage has great relevancy for today because of the plethora of messages in our society which tell us to commit to nothing, you can do everything, dream big, don't necessarily join anything, and keep all your options open. We can become endless consumers of all the world's goods in this kind of arena. However, keeping all your options open, as we all know, leads to a false sense of freedom. True, complete freedom for our souls can only be accomplished through commitment to others, but especially to the author of the universe, Jesus Christ himself. It is time for us as a society to get back to believing that there is ultimate truth. Our hearts are always searching for it. It exists. We cannot believe anything that tells us otherwise. And we must respect truth, speak truth, be in truth, always. That's what Jesus wants from us. And we need to sell all else that might be preoccupying us, non-essentials which have our devotion, Get rid of all these other non-essential distractions in our lives and commit to Jesus, who is the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value, and he is our Lord. My prayer for you is that this pandemic is not a spiritual burden, but a spiritual opportunity to examine more closely the preoccupations of our minds and the dispositions of our hearts. This time out of God, who sent us to our room to think more deeply about our lives, will not last forever. May we use this time well and diligently to strengthen our faith in the one and only person who walked the earth and called himself God, the way, the truth, and the life. Amen.